You're listening to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lubiton. This week, my conversation with the high priestess of Canadiana soul, Kaylee Cardinal. Look, most of the folks I've talked to, we talk into the mic during the light of the day when our wits are about us. Not this episode. They say nighttime is the right time. Well, I think it's all too fitting that I met up with Miss Cardinal late in the evening on the far corner of Vancouver Island, when we were both feeling beaten up and vulnerable and ready to talk about our heartbreaks and our bad habits and how they came out in love songs about broken boyfriends and fast driving and making the best of impossible situations. If you've never been to a Canadian music festival, I highly recommend you go up there this summer and try it. As a musician and as a listener, it's one of the most unique experiences you can have. They bring in artists from all over the world, they put them on one stage, and in the mornings, oftentimes you have workshops where you're forced to collaborate with each other. And these people that you've never met from the Arctic Circle and from Sweden and Morocco, suddenly you become musical compadres and you're creating new music together. And that's where I met Kaylee. If there's one thing that stuck with me after seeing her sing into those hot Canadian mornings, it's that she wears her heart on her sleeve at all times. There was nothing held back. No shame, no pain, no ache is hidden. It's all there in the song. During our conversation, she told me about growing up without having much connection to her indigenous heritage. But recently, she's reconnected to the vibrant native community in Edmonton and has become a role model for young singers and writers who may not have had the courage to make a name for themselves in Canada's rich festival and concert circuit and her courageous hard work has paid off of late. You'll notice during our talk that she mentions being nominated for Indigenous Artists of the Year in Western Canada, and spoiler, she won. She also became the first Indigenous DJ to get her own show on CKUA radio, which reaches far across the Canadian prairies. She even played one of my songs a few days ago. We usually end the episode with a song, but because we did this late at night in a hotel room and we didn't want people banging on the walls, we recorded the song with her band first. So let's hear it now. There ain't no way I'm 
places that I have, and I got poisons, oh, so many poisons to ease my mind, and I'll drift away even when you're holding me tight, oh, I, I got a lot of repairing left to do, to make This is like the late night chat set. Yeah, is this late? I guess it's kind of late. It's the latest I've ever done the podcast. Oh, really? Oh. It's good. You know, weird stuff happens late at night. You know, That's things true. come out, things emerge, secrets. I, see, I always tell all my secrets constantly. I'm con- I just, I need people to listen to me. It's like I'm constantly just like giving away too much information about myself. Like... What is a secret talent that you have that no one knows? I, I'm always late. I am like that asshole that's anywhere from like 10 minutes to an hour late. Me too. Yeah, that's a thing. Like that the people just eventually have started like accommodating that, which is a, a blessing and a curse. It doesn't really stop me from... Anyways, uh, 
I grew up on an acreage and I used to drive down gravel roads going like 120 kilometers an hour, putting on my makeup and steering with my knees. Oh. Yeah, because I'd be like on my way to work running super, super late. So it's kind of dangerous, but I can drive at really high speeds on gravel roads with my knees. What is an acreage? It's like it's like a plot of land out of town, like a farm, okay. but there just aren't any animals or like there aren't farm animals. It's so a Canadian it, term. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. For living out on the outskirts of town, but but not actually a farm. Where? What is the town that you were born in? Um, the town I was born in is called Be- Beaver Lodge. It's, uh, it has the world's largest beaver. Really? Yeah. And it's really scary. Like, is he still alive? Still alive? It's like, it's like across um, Canada, there's little towns that have like the world's largest Easter egg or the world's largest kubasa. And it's just like, it's not a real beaver. It's like, it's like a big, like ceramic beaver. And that's in, uh, in BC? It's in Alberta. Oh, in Alberta. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's outside of Grand Prairie, but I was raised in Grand Prairie. But yeah, born in Beaver Lodge. And what are your what are your parents' professions? Um, my father, um, he's kind of always been a car salesman. Okay. Um, and my mother, I grew up in. We had a lot of kids in our family, so she was a stay at home mom for a long time. Okay. And then my parents separated, and all of a sudden she had to get a job. So she started working in a bar. Okay. Which was odd for her because we had a pretty Christian upbringing okay and then um she now works at like like a flooring store as an executive assistant to the owner so i mean people need flooring people need flooring it's true and and the people who own flooring companies need assistance so somebody's got to do it but she's like a very organized person so she this is a job that's perfect for her because she she likes to have everything in order that's a good job for someone like that and that's the bane of her Existence. I am the complete opposite and a chaotic fucking mess. You get that from your dad? Um, there's part of it there, yeah. Part of it comes from my dad. We both have a similar wild spirit, but he's also significantly more organized than I am. When did you start writing songs? I wrote my first song when I was 12. It was a Christian song. Because, like I said, I grew up in the church. Like you are it was like a... I have a crush on Jesus type song? It, close. It was called Pass the Bread. Ah. And it was a song about um, like sharing, you know, what you have with other people. It's pretty adorbs. Uh, it's all right. It's a little embarrassing. My sister sometimes brings it up and sings it. In How, how's it go? <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> There's not many things that embarrass me, but this is one of them. It was like... I told you it was going to get weird. Yeah, late okay. It's like, I don't remember all the words, but what I remember is the part that my sister always sings to me, and it goes, pass the bread around the table. And it's like, show them that you care, or something like that. Is it like a grace song, like before you eat? No, it's, no, just more of like a, like a Christian kind of like... Um, adult alternative song that I wrote at 12 years old. I mean, Katy Perry was a Christian rock singer, you know, before she got You know, big. I didn't know that. Santa Barbara's Finest. Interesting. And then she kind of flipped the script a bit and did uh, I Kissed 
a girl, and I yeah. liked it. Yeah. And uh, that's when her career went a little. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Bigger. It th- it definitely grew. So, yeah, I I I that wasn't gonna be a hit for me. That's for sure. I wrote another one that was like all minor chords because I played piano. And it was like deep in the shadows, like a spy in the night. Just real Ooh, yeah. cheesy. <laughs> deep in the shadows, like a spy in the night. Like a spy in the night. Was there a music scene in the area where you grew up, or was it pretty uh, desolate? Um, well, I didn't start playing in bands till I was 19. And we started out, I started out in a duo with a guy that I actually had like the hugest crush on. And as I got to know him, we just became friends. You know, we, uh, we're we're now we've been friends for like 20 years we're like brother and sister now and um we started out as kind of an acoustic duo playing in coffee shops and at that time there was a pretty decent music scene happening in grand prairie um quite a few venues but over the last 20 20 years venues have been closing down and Grand Prairie's changed a lot. Like, it's had a lot of suburban sprawl. Downtown, there's not much happening downtown anymore. There's only basically, like, one venue left in Grand Prairie where there used to be, like, coffee shops and, and, and bars and bigger bigger places to play. So that's really changed things. Are there music scenes within, like, the First Nations communities, like, in Canada? Like, within, like, their own... Is that its own genre? It well, it it is its own genre in a way, but there's so there is that there are so many indigenous musicians like across Canada, and there's so many different little areas that are kind of like the hotspots for communities like for that are kind of really raising a lot of great musicians, but um, and like our, the Junos have an indigenous category. I'm uh, nominated for Western Canadian Music Award for Indigenous Artist of the Year. Awesome. I just won an award in Edmonton for Indigenous Recording of the Year, so it's like its own subcategory. Um, but it would be nice if there was actually even more categories within that because the the uh, the award that I won for Indigenous Recording of the Year, I was up against like a prog rock band and a country singer, and I'm kind of like soulful, folky stuff. So it's it we're all so different from each other, but but there's there is a huge community, and I've actually only recently discovered it within the last couple of years, and it was because another Indigenous artist saw me performing and um, kind of took me under her wing and brought me into the community, and it's really opened things up for me What's her name? Uh, Leela Gilday. Hmm. I just started getting involvement into this community, which is a really... as the, My whole life, I never felt like I belonged anywhere because I'm Métis, so I'm half Scottish and half Native. So... Growing up in a really white, like, Christian home, um, I didn't really look like everyone around me. Mm. Um, and my brother is the same way, too. I have one biological brother. And um, our dad is, like, he's very Native-looking. And uh, my mom is very, like, small, white, and Scottish. <laughs> so, I, I mean, uh, with both families, we never really felt like we fit in. Um, and, like, within, like, the community or school... If, if people saw us on like a super in a superficial way, um, you know, it just depended on who they were, what their perspective was of us as to how they saw us. So 
now that I've become part of this community, I all of a sudden have this sense of belonging that I've never experienced before in my life, and it has changed everything for me. Mm. So that for me has been, a, that's been everything. But Canada still has a lot of work to do, and there's still a lot of racism, mm. and I still deal with it on a daily basis. And mm. I also have a son who also deals with it oh. on, on a daily basis. But How old's your son? He's 15. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had him. I had him when I was twenty three. Mm. So the songs that I've heard you play mm-hmm. um, definitely have this beautiful combination of yeah, sort of folk and and R and B and soul. Mm. And there's a this line in "There Ain't No Way," which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> the song of yours um, about the habits and evil tricks mm. Mm. that are sort of. Yeah. Bringing you down and this sort of person is helping you get through that, mm-hmm. right? What is a crazy habit or routine that you have? Well, oof. Besides I, driving 100 miles per hour while <laughs> putting your makeup on going to work. That's right. Yeah, constantly being late is a really bad habit of mine. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty... Um, Pretty self-sabotaging, pretty masochistic. Uh, I have a tendency to, um, when it comes to relationships, tend to choose people who um, are fixer-uppers, and I tend to throw myself completely into... Savior complex? Yeah, yeah, in a way, you know, I want to help people, and then I, I drain the life out of myself, and then, you know, wonder why it's not working. That particular song... I wrote that, when I wrote that song, I was sobbing Mm. because I was with somebody who made me feel so worthy of love when I felt so unworthy of love. Mm. Just because, yeah, just just because of all these terrible tendencies that I have, these numbing things that I do. And and I've also like, I haven't been super successful in relationships, so... And there's reasons for that, too. There's another song, you know, One Man, where you say, you know, all the time wasted, all that time wasted. Yeah. Right? Is there something, when you sing that now, that you think about of all that time wasted? Well, there's a whole list of them, yeah. really, to be perfectly honest. I, um, I, have, I have one relationship that was so bad that at the end of it, like, I ended up having to sit... In, you know, in a court waiting room and like it, it just, it got so bad and I don't even know how it happened. And I didn't even like him that much. Yeah. Like how did that happen? And then, you know, one man is, I feel like that's more inspired by more and more inspired by the liars that I've been with mm. those. And, and those, there's been a lot of those because I have a tendency within my savior complex to choose addicts mm. as my partner for a short amount of time. And I mean, it's never really, I mean, yeah, it just goes nowhere. It goes nowhere. And, um, there is one X in particular that I think of when it comes to that song, but, but it applies to many, many, many of them. I have a couple, I have two X's that I still like as people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two. One of them I actually like consider a friend and the other one doesn't really want to talk to me anymore, <laughs> but I still think he's a nice person. So, I have a lot of short relationships cuz I tend to 
get to a certain point because I'm super impatient and I just get to a certain point and I'm like, okay, is this going to be the relationship that I want to be in for the rest of my life? Mm. Or should I let this person go? Because they probably have stuff that they want to do. If I've already decided that, you know, I'm not interested in having children with them and I don't want a future, then I should just end it. So it's usually most of my relationships last about a year. Mm. Yeah. Have you toured throughout Canada or, or do you have a certain market that you like to? It's mostly Western, Western Canada. Yeah. Um, because my son is 15. I've only been able to start touring more in the last couple of years as he's gotten older. So now I'm definitely touring a lot more. And, um, we, uh, we, we did, we did some touring in, or just a small tour in Europe, um, Mm. last year. Whereabouts? Uh, we went to Sweden mm. and then uh, we played in uh, Copenhagen and Amsterdam as well. And that was awesome. It was great. How did they receive you? Quite well. Quite well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they liked me. Well, they, they really liked me. They probably just like, me. she's a killer soul singer. I can't <laughs> wear your phone. Yeah, it was awesome. When you get on stage, do you feel a peacefulness come over you or is it sometimes like a is there an aggression, like, I need to, like, get out this this mm. stress and get out these demons? I started singing on stage when I was four. Mm. In church? Yeah. And I'm 37 now. So I've been singing on stage for 33 years. When I'm on stage, I feel like that is when I am most myself. Mm-hmm. That is when I am, like, that is my home. Mm-hmm. That's when I completely open up and be the most authentic version of myself. That's what stage is for me. Yeah, I kind of feel you in that. Yeah. There are nights, though, where, especially on, like, a tour, where it's, like, (laughs) nine shows in, and my voice is a little rocky, or, Mm. like, dinner is not quite agreeing with me at the moment, and uh, blah, 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 where I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do this right now yeah like I kind of want to watch yeah oh yeah and then it's like oh no you're the lead in the play yeah you have to do it like you have to yeah engage the audience you have to tell your stories Mm -hmm. you have to and there's some nights where I have to like kind of shake it off Mm -hmm. thank you Taylor Swift (laughs) shake it off and just be like pretend that Mm -hmm. you're into this right now yeah yeah. Because you're not, but you can pretend that you're really excited to be here. Yeah. And sometimes your pretending convinces yourself. But yeah. Yeah, that's you know? right. Because you're like, oh, you make it. remember how much you like singing? Yeah, Great. that's right. One of the hardest is when you have a, an audience that's not engaged. Yeah. That is, that really, like, an audience is everything. The The, the exchange of energy between you and this group of people if it isn't a positive experience, that can be really that I take it so personally, and I have I, I'm trying. I know, me too. To, it's hard to to have that boundary where it's like that's them, that's not you. You don't suck. You don't need to quit. You're fine. I have to remind myself of those things all the time, but I but I'm getting to this point now where I don't I don't put myself in that position a lot. I don't have a lot of audiences that aren't really engaged. Right. Um, I play shows where the expectation is that people pay attention right. to what I'm doing. And that just came with time and that just came with like, 
you know, um, more and more experience and, and being choosier with booking. Like what would be the ideal situation for you? Cause I actually don't even know what the touring circuit or, or the scene is in Canada. Yeah. And I, I, well, I, so I run an open stage every Monday night, um, at a bar in Edmonton. So I have that, that's like my monthly, that's cool. That's my monthly income. So I have that set. Okay. So then, um, I, I play a lot of different types of gigs. Um, throughout the summer, I do tons of festivals. I'm like, I'm doing multiple festivals through the week kind of thing. We have a lot of festivals in Edmonton alone. So, so there's a lot of work doing that kind of thing. And they're very good, good about supporting local artists. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, my name's getting bigger in Edmonton, so I'm getting more and more calls for that. So that's, that's been really good. And I don't have to go too far away. But like I said, like I'm mostly doing Western Canada. Basically, I'm playing like most weekends and sometimes through the week. Keeping as busy as I can, but I also have a tendency to blow my voice out because I push sometimes when I sing. And also like today, like I like I'm so hungover, <laughs> so hungover. But I, this what you were saying earlier about the extreme highs and lows or like how the bad makes the good feel really good. I was saying that today when we were on the bus, I was like that feeling when your hangover starts to go away and you feel, I feel so euphoric mm. because I feel so much better than I did like an hour ago. Yeah. That it's like this, like it's, it's just something that you do to yourself. Like I hurt myself to make, and then later I feel amazing. Mm -hmm. And when you host this, is it like an open mic mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. open stage? You said, do a lot of female artists kind of look to you for guidance in, in Edmonton or because, you know, you've been doing it for a little bit. Um, well, there's a lot of, there's like a really huge community, like musical community in Edmonton. So I don't think, I think maybe some, some of the younger ladies are maybe looking up to me, but, um, I have a lot of peers and it's a lot of peers that show up and I, I have a featured performer. So people who are touring or, <clears throat> or just like local musicians will, will play like a half an hour set and then we open up the stage. So we, we, I mean, we do, we definitely get a lot of female musicians at the open stage, but like I said, they're mostly like my friends and peers. What were some, uh, a person was telling me about these feasts that happen mm. from different, uh, indigenous bands Yeah, yeah. where they have these gatherings with food and mm -hmm. dancing and, and stuff. Yeah. Usually to do with a, a ceremony of some type. But here's the thing. My father was raised in foster care. Okay. So so they try to get it out of him. Well, he didn't. He wasn't raised with any awareness of his culture at all. Mm. So I've been coming into it on my own as I've gotten older. But I don't have an affiliation with any sort of band or community. So like I, I like I said, I never really felt like I belonged anywhere. I've always been really displaced. So I haven't had the opportunity to learn because I haven't really like found uh, a community to be part of 
the stuff that I've learned is just kind of on my own or like working with indigenous organizations, which I've done off and on over the years. And that's when I started to learn everything that I know. But it's not a lot. So feasts, I haven't even attended a feast before. I would like to attend a feast. Would you? Anything with in, feast involved. In Canada or in the States? I wonder if it's called something different in the States. I don't know if it is because, I mean, I have a friend who's, her family is like um, uh, Lakota, I think. Mm-hmm. So so she has family in North Dakota. Mm. And they they have very similar ceremonies as, as the Cree people. So, yeah. So I think you could. You could attend something in the States. But you kind of need to be welcomed into a community. Yeah. So you have to start creating relationships. And honestly, that's what I need to be doing too. I'm just lazy and tired all the time. So going out of my way to find an elder. And I have met people over the years that I've considered my elders. Mm. And and they've taught me a lot. I also want to... I've, I've recently allowed myself to take on what people have been throwing at me for a while, which is almost a position of a role model, mm. even though, like, I don't, I didn't really want it. But then when I play a show and I have, like, an eight-year-old native girl come up and tell me that she really loved my music and that um, she wants to do music there's not a lot of indigenous indigenous representation in the Canadian music scene. Mm-hmm. So a kind of like a byproduct of me just performing and being myself is that it's it's inspiring other people who look like me mm. or or like it gives people someone to relate to. So though I just want to be the most authentic version of myself, I do have to start recognizing that people are looking up to me. And I, I, I mean, I'm just going to continue being myself, but I'm, and though I do, I just, I've never really been overly politic, political in any of my music mm. because I write love songs about stupid ex-boyfriends. You know? <laughs> yeah. like that's kind of, that's just the music that I've always written. It may change with time as I grow as a person, as I, as I get older and have different experiences. I could see things changing, but... Yeah, right now the power that I really enjoy when I'm on stage is the emotional connection that I feel with people. And I don't know, and and I've had a lot of people come up to me, especially when I play folk folk clubs, which is like always like 99% like older white people Mm -hmm. who come up to me after a show and say, you're just like one of us. And I'm Why like, wouldn't, yeah. They don't. That's the thing they say? People don't see other Native people in Canada. Oh. I, I, was on a radio, I was on a radio show once, and one of the radio DJs said almost the exact same thing. And it was just like, their exposure to Native people is so limited yeah. that then when they see me, they don't know what to make of me. But when I tell stories and I talk like a normal human being, they're like, oh, just like us. And you're just like one of us. Um, like, as opposed to somebody that they completely can't relate to because, you know, I, I don't know why they would think that they can't relate. It, yeah. it's, it's a little bit confusing for me. when it, it took me aback when somebody said to me the first time. The weirdest part was that they thought it was a compliment. Mm. But, like, it's 
any, I have friends who hang out with me and they're like, it's exhausting to me how often people come up to you and just like bring up the fact that they're cool with like native people. <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, it's something that I've definitely gotten used to. But like I like I kind of grew up like feeling like a white person. Mm -hmm. So now I, I, I'm recognizing that that's not what people see in me. And, and it's also not who I am. It was just the only part of myself I embraced growing up. So you didn't know your dad's parents, your grandparents. Oh, I knew. I knew. Well, my grand, my dad's grandparents or my dad's parents passed away. Oh, okay. Uh, my grandma before I was born, when my dad was quite young. And then um, my grandpa, basically like my fam, my parents kept me away from my grandpa because he wasn't a safe dude. Mm. So, and that's why my dad was in foster care. Mm. So he, I mean, I knew his dad for like a very, I think he died when I was like five or something mm. like that, or maybe a few years later. But yeah, so, so we don't really like, even though my dad's brothers and sisters are pretty connected, like they're all pretty close. I didn't grow up with them a lot in my life so just never really had that I just never really had native people around me growing up mm. except for my dad who was also pretty much like a white person mm. with like brown skin yeah I'm gonna yeah. do an exercise okay where I give you a word and the first thing that comes to your mind when I say the word okay. don't even try to think about it I have to clear my mind to stop yeah. because like now words are already starting to pop into my head and I haven't even like, so I'm just going to keep talking and keep talking and then you just go ahead and do it. And then as soon as you say it, I will. Riverbed. It happened. It happened. A riverbed. Ha it happened. Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. <laughs> cool. Lightning. Bolt came to me. <laughs> There's no wrong okay, answer. Okay, all right, okay. I just want to see where your brain goes. Okay, okay. Tongue. Cheek. <laughs> Toes. I'm rhyming now. Yeah? <laughs> rhyming toes with... Blows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's your songwriter mind. Yeah, that's silly. Um... Dance floor. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> Fluid. Review. 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 What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> There's a website for the Edmonton Arts Council. Uh -huh. It's called Fluid Review. Oh. Yeah. What does that mean? It's just like where you go online to uh, fill out the application, so... I don't know why it's called that. Fluid review. Yeah. yeah. What about it is fluid? I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. It's a weird, weird website. Just an online form thing. Uh, are you working on some new music? Are you going to record soon? I'm recording in August. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I haven't even finished writing all the songs. I have had no time to write. And Do you have to write at home or do you write wherever you are? I write wherever I am. Some of the songs that we're going to be recording, one of them is one that I wrote um, in Copenhagen. Um, 
I, I just write whenever it comes to me. But what happened was I went through something really, a really rough breakup last September. And actually the whole summer was fucking awful. And, um, and, I, and I wrote a lot from that, but there's only so much of it that I really want to use. And um, I feel like I've, I'm useless mm. right now mm. because I've been like a responsible adult who's only having casual encounters with no emotional attachment at all whatsoever. That's responsible adulting, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's some interesting things to mine from that there's there's definitely it's, pro- it's maybe not it. as romantic or like yeah. inspiring no it's not because sometimes i feel like storytellers are addicted to the drama mm. because they know i am a little bit addicted a to lot the drama. to write about it's funny one of the songs on um the album that i just put out is called nathaniel mm-hmm. and it's about a guy named nathaniel it's my middle name um oh really mm. Well, um, when I was in my 20s, I worked for an organization in Grand Prairie. And this guy, Nathaniel, worked for the organization as well. And for, a, for a, a, like a week, he filled in as um, my receptionist. Okay. I was the program director. And um, one day, I, w- I just called down to him and I said, go to my house. I'll meet you there in 20 minutes. And it was like midday. Yeah, and then... Did he know what you were talking about? Yeah, yeah. There, and nothing had happened there before was like that. A, there was like this like this energy yeah. and flirtation, and I was just like, this is happening. I'm over it. So and I just, you were his supervisor? Yeah, that's correct. Go to my house or you're fired. Yeah. No, but I mean... And what did he say? He said, okay. He said, okay. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then yeah. And then, um, then we went back to work after. Uh-huh. I just... And no one knew. No one knew. No. And... Um, he just took a lunch break. Yeah, you know? yeah. And over the years, I would hear from him off and on, but we both were, I think we were often in relationships. Right. I, I had romanticized this whole thing. Um, wait, so nothing happened after that one encounter? That's right. Oh, oh no, wait. I, I guess we did sleep together another time after that. I forgot. He called me last week mm-hmm. and said he was single. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> FYI. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he was like, can I come see you? And I was like, sure. Now, this had happened with him 10 years earlier. Ooh. So when we sat down and talked, um, so he came and stayed with me for a couple of days. Uh-huh. So like this casual encounter that I had is still a casual encounter uh-huh. that I had. Uh-huh. And um, we sat down and he was like, I was asking him about, because I didn't really, I have the worst memory and it, it wasn't like a, a big deal to me. But I guess at some point in time he had gotten a hold of me and was like, hey, you know, do you want to hang out? And I was like, uh, actually I have a boyfriend right now. And he's like, yeah, but what about us? And I'm like, I just like to keep you on the back burner. <laughs> I said that to his to his face. And, and I guess he was really hurt by it. I didn't remember any of this. Uh. I did not. I hear I was thinking like, oh, you know, we were both just always in relationships. There's your new album title, yeah. Backburner. <laughs> yeah. He named his daughter. He just had a daughter 10 months ago and he named her Kaylee. Oh, shit. And he spelt it exactly the same as my name. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty deep. Yeah, definitely. And did he, you ask him if it was named after you? I knew it was. I asked. I said... Yeah. I, I saw somewhere that he had a baby and I saw the spelling of the name and I was like, 
hey, what's new? <laughs> <laughs> and and I just kept, I just asked him and made him tell me. I didn't ever like directly ask. It is, we are in that age now where the babies that other people have are just popping out. Yeah, surprises me. But yeah, I tend to like look for drama in order to have inspiration. But when Nathaniel showed up again, I could have let him stay with me, mm. live with me, mm. be my partner, uh-huh. invite that drama into my life. Mm. But I actually was like, okay, it's time to let this one go. And mm. I let him go. And yeah. Because you're a responsible adult. Because I'm a responsible adult. Who's trying. I, I was, I'm pretty traumatized from... My my last breakup, mm. that pretty traumatized from that one. So I think it's going to take a little bit for me to be emotionally available. Mm. I find that there's like two types of songs, right? There's the songs that come from personal experience. And then there's songs that are fantasy mm. that maybe subconsciously have some personal experience in them. But it's like you creating something... Uh, from nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, as a fiction writer, you know, because I kind of grew up more writing short stories and right. plays, I had more respect for the ability to create something out of nothing. That makes sense. And yet, I always came back to the realization that the strongest work came from personal experience. Mm. And it was a sort of like, Weird catch-22 of, I don't really want to write about this fucking breakup Mm. again, right? But it's sometimes like the fifth version of that almost filtered through a little maturity. Right. And a little bit of poetry that can make it like that special song. Mm Mm-hmm. I tell stories about my life and that includes stories about my parents and my family. And one time I was telling a story and I forgot that my dad was in the audience and I was just giving out, like I always do, a little bit too much information. And I looked over and saw him and I saw the discomfort in his face. Mm. And I thought, oh yeah, like I'm telling other, I'm telling other people's stories, not just mine. Is that fair? Mm. Is it fair game? Should I be telling everybody about my parents mm. and my son? Even my son, like he doesn't like it when I talk about him. Mm. He doesn't want me to do it. And um, and I guess I need to respect that. Yeah. And, and I need to be I need to be wary of it. And to be wary of the stories that I tell, because I do expose a lot of vulnerabilities, and yeah, that's something to be cautious of. I guess. I think the. Again, the, the sweet spot is something that can be part fantasy and part truth, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes, you know, you can imagine something happening that can be super painful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't actually have to have happened. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, def- I mean, especially with the song Nathaniel, I feel like I... I really embellished. I, I, I definitely I, there was some fantasy involved in it. 
It was like a kind of like a skeleton of a story that I really added some meat to. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it a real living being. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad uh, we could catch up in this uh, very sweet Holiday Inn Express. Thanks for having chats with me. Of course. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Kaylee Cardinal and her band for playing music and talking late into the night. And you can go to KayleeCardinal.com for tour dates and her music. Uh, that's Kaylee, spelled C-E-L-E-I-G-H, Cardinal.com. And I was just told she has a new record on the way coming this May. It's called Stories from a Downtown Apartment. It's coming soon, so check it out. And if you're curious, my band Dust Bowl Revival is playing all over California this March, starting March 19th in Malibu, going all the way up to uh, Humboldt, and then coming all the way down to San Diego. So check it out, dustbowlrevival.com. The show on the road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the show on the road, please leave us a review or rating over at itunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends. The show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lupiton. See you on the trail.